The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Uh, this is Galen McDowell. I am the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. The Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is a Senior Minister, and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. We're still in the midst of our series titled The Law and the Promise, based upon Neville's book, The Law and the Promise. Neville, Neville's full name was Neville Goddard, but he always wrote under the name Neville, his first name. So... uh this has been a really interesting series because he's teaching the same concept over and over again in different ways to help people get it. And in the midst of this book, he also gives uh, testimonies, people who wrote him letters talking about how they actually uh, worked with the principles that he taught. And I think it's really interesting that uh, he gives testimonies because a lot of books that uh, promote self-help type, principles don't necessarily always put examples of people in their own voice basically saying this is how i use it somebody might say well i knew a guy or i knew a lady in chicago who did this this and this and the writer is telling the story what he does which i think is fabulous in this book is he allows the person who is uh utilizing the teachings to state how they utilized it themselves. So he just prints the letter out and you can draw your own conclusions. I think that's fantastic. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not actually reading the letters in the chapters, because I want you to actually get the book, the law and the promise. I'm not getting any money from selling Neville's book, obviously, but I'm interested and dedicated in your transformation. And since I'm a stand for that transformation, I want to make sure that you have your tools and one of the tools I think you need to have to help facilitate that transformation is this book, The Law of the Promise. I, I, I take time to make sure that I'm teaching books that I think can be to your benefit, that um, that can, if utilized, if worked, if practiced, can help you expand and grow in consciousness can help you develop a better awareness of your spirituality and most importantly, practically demonstrate truth or God or good in your life. That's what we're doing. So today's chapter is titled moods. And before we actually get into uh, what Neville said, because most of this book is actually, I mean, excuse me, if this chapter is actually stories, therefore I'm going to be supplementing some of the work in this chapter. Um, if you look up the word mood in the dictionary, it states that as a noun, it's a state or quality of feeling at a particular time, a state or quality of feeling at a particular time. An example would be what's the boss's mood today? Uh, then you have it's also considered a distinctive emotional quality or character. In other words, this is the normal way this functions, a dis- that's distinctive. In other words, you can tell that it's different from 
something else. So you can tell when somebody's really angry or really depressed because that's very distinctive. And at the same time, you can tell when somebody's very happy and joyful, or satisfied and fulfilled because it's, it's a very distinctive emotional quality or character. It's also a prevailing emotional tone or general attitude, you know, you know, like a neighborhood will have a mood or a tone, a family will have a mood or a tone, an organization will have a mood or a tone. The mood is almost the reflection or is the reflection of the culture of the general attitude of the space. It's also a frame of mind disposed or or receptive as to some activity of thing. What does that mean? They give the example on this one website where it says, I'm not in the mood to see a movie. So it's a frame of mind to where that says you want to do something or you don't want to do something. All right. So when we start looking at how we use the word mood, it's really talking a lot about how you express your feelings and it can be a temporal uh, emotional feeling or state of quality or emotional tone, or it could be something very distinctive or it can be something that's just a general, your general way you get down. So one of the things that we want to work on, if you're open to it is the third definition the prevailing emotional tone or general attitude. In other words, you want your mood or your prevailing emotional tone or general attitude to be in alignment with prosperity, with health, with peace of mind, with joy and love. That's your prevailing mood. So when people encounter you, they're encountering your love, your peace, your joy, your prosperity, your health, your well-being, your wisdom. Your understanding, because that's your prevailing emotional tone or general attitude. Now, this is key. You know, there's a song that is sung in many Christian circles. They will know we are Christians by our love. Now, that's important because if people know that you're a Christian by your love, that means that they're seeing your love first. You know, in today's political against then for its love and that means that that's there's a lot of work to do to shift what that means because that's the prevailing emotional tone that people get from christians you know people want to go to war in the name of jesus which is like the most ridiculous thing i've ever heard of in my life it's the understanding that your mood is radiating from you and your mood or your prevailing emotional tone is attracting experiences that are consistent with your prevailing emotional tone. Now, why is this important before we get into Neville? This is important because when you are in low moods, low states of consciousness, low states or qualities of feeling and you're radiating that you have to draw into you things that are consistent with it and sometimes we pick up the moods of other people unconsciously we walk into a space and people are gloom and doom and they're um, they're in their resignation and they're justifying their nonsense and we just pick up on that We pick up on the mood of people who are tardy. We pick up on the mood of people who don't handle their business. We pick up a mood of people who are not uh, nice or they don't have, um, you know, tact, you know, or, you know, I, I went through a fast food place yesterday and, you know, the young lady was rather, um, in my opinion, ignorant. Therefore, when I got to the, to the window, it wasn't the same young lady who took the order, and I was trying to make sure that my order was right because of the young lady's um, tone, and I was trying to give them a chance. And then I heard the lady shouting in from the back. I asked to speak to the manager. Now, why did I do that? I had to explain to the manager, like, look, as a paying customer, I come here not only to get food, but I also come to get good service. 
And what I just experienced was not a good service. Now, I wasn't going off and snapping and et cetera, but I made it very well known that I want to make sure that this is an experience that somebody else will have behind me. Why is that important? Because I'm in a space where I can shake off most stuff rather quickly. Some people will have that experience and it'll shift their mood for the whole day. Some people might have that experience and pull up to the window and start cursing people out. Some people will have that experience and will start having a situation where they want to fight somebody. So you have to be very careful about what you're radiating because you might attract the wrong thing. And you also have to be careful not to absorb what other people are putting out because that can shift you. And if it's shifting you, it'll, it can affect your blessings. This is one of the reasons why Reverend Coleman so emphasized forgiveness in her ministry. She would say it all the time. Um, nobody's worth you being sick, broken, unhappy. If I heard her say that once, I heard her say it uh, 100 times. No one is worth you being sick, broken, unhappy. Why is that important? Because she understood that when you don't forgive, you block your own blessings. It's one. It's the it's the practical reason why you teach forgiveness, and and it's one of the main reasons why most spiritual teachers taught it, and it's so emphasized by Jesus, because Jesus knew that it was the passport to freedom, without all that you know religiosity that we put on it. It's literally a passport to freedom. Now, if you had to ask yourself, what is your general mood? What would you say? If you had to ask yourself, excuse me, not yourself, if you ask the people that are closest to you, what's your general mood? You know, what do you like most days? How do they encounter you energetically as a prevailing emotional tone or general attitude? How do they experience you as a state or quality of feeling at a particular time? Why is that an important question? Because other people can give you feedback on how possibly you're radiating. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to accept what they say, lock, stock, and barrel. But if you start seeing some consistent answers coming across the board, it might mean you need to either pull back. It might mean that you might need to tweak it. Or it might mean that you're hopefully, hopefully, hopefully positive attitude is actually rubbing people who don't want to be positive the wrong way. Then which means you might need to, you know, uh, up your game up on, on who you choose to have your experiences with. Uh, not necessarily in a rude or tactful way, but just saying that if being positive, if being uh, success and prosperity, prosperity oriented and is, is not something that other people can handle, then, you got to have some communication around that. Notice I didn't say go get divorced or or I'm not saying you should or shouldn't, but some people just automatically go to a jump from one extreme to another instead of realizing that that was the person that you drew up because that was who you were at the time. And just like you had to grow to evolve out of a certain mood or state or prevailing emotional tone, give some people an opportunity or some grace to do the same. That doesn't mean I'm not talking about abusive emotionally, physically, uh, or people who are just ignorant or just do you wrong. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about generally good people who do right by you, who love you, who support you, but they just can't see what you see right now. It's not their fault that they can't see what you see because you have to remember at one point you couldn't see what you see now. Yeah, we don't tend to give people grace. That has nothing to do with this lesson, but I just felt as though I needed to say that. So moving on. So when you start talking about mood, a, a good exercise might be to ask people, what's your general quality or state of being around that person? And and work with it. How, how does that work? You know, uh, you know, some people, the moment stuff happens, they they. You know, they get into the dumps when you get around some people, their mood is they complain a lot and they're looking for somebody to be the willing ear to their complaining. You have to be mindful of that. 
um, I realized that I really love talking about people doing well and their goals and successes and et cetera. And I love to talk about sports and martial arts and all type of stuff. I, you know, I'm a regular person like anybody else. You know, ministers aren't, aren't, um, superhuman. Uh, you know, that being said, um, I don't like to debate nonsense. When I realize that a person is talking about something and they want to engage in conversation, all they want to do is engage and bring that lack of awareness or that lack of understanding around a topic to a conversation, then I pull back. Why? Because, or, you know, for me, it makes no sense to debate nonsense. So I pull back. Why? Because I don't want that, you know, because I don't want to pick up somebody's mood by getting my mind dirty by playing in their thoughts. Just a thought. You can take it or leave it. Or if I come into an experience where I feel as though that the, the prevailing emotional tone or general attitude in the space isn't where I want it to be and I energetically don't feel is right, I'll just leave. Like, you know what? Mm, it's not my vibe. I need to roll. For those who don't live in America, I, I, I have to roll means it's time to go now. <laughs> anyway, uh, so it's something we need to just be mindful of. What is the mood? So Neville says, <coughs> excuse me, in the book, men regard their moves far too much as effects and not sufficiently as causes. So in other words, we think that our mood is caused by something else instead of the mood being the cause that produces experiences. He goes on to say moods are imaginal activities without which no creation is possible. Why? Because, again, that which we radiate, we attract. That which we radiate, we attract. I'll say it again. That which we radiate, we attract. And we have to be in that space and understand that that which we radiate, we attract. And we have to know that over and over again and over and over again and over and over again and over and over again. The, the mood is the cause, not the effect. What ends up happening is the mood will be the cause that creates an effect that reminds us of the mood which gets us deeper in the mood, which produces more effects, which gets us deeper in the mood, which creates more effects. So that's why we have to interrupt it and disrupt it, disrupt it. And that's why many times it takes massive action to shake you out of a particular mood. That's why they tell people who go to uh, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous to go to 90, meeting, 90 meetings in 90 days. That seems like an awful lot. 90, meeting, 90 meetings in 90 days. But what does that do? It sh helps you shift your mood because you're going to have some withdrawal. You're going to have some moves. You're going to have some depression. Your body's craving it. Your mind is used to it. It's a habit. And, uh, and but you're consistently disrupting it by creating new patterns. And, and instead of allowing the moves to settle in and push you into depression or addiction, you're pulling it up and you're addressing it in the group therapy setting. It's a disrupt. So it's a disrupt. It's a disrupt. You know, they'll say, if you're feeling like you want to drink, call and find out where a meeting is and go to the meeting. Why? It's a disrupt. You're trying to shift your mood. Shift your mood. It's really important. Shift your mood. And that's why action is necessary. You know, it's, it's necessary at a high level to, to get out of a rut, to be massive with your action. Massive. Because you're creating new causes. You're not going to say, well, I'm not going to do nothing because this is how I feel. What does your feelings have to do with what has to be done? We don't do things many times because of the way we feel at any given time. And I'm not talking about intuitive feeling, which is the wisdom or guidance of God. I'm just talking about we're in our moods. But, you know, but any adult who gets up every day to work knows that your feelings uh, is not paying the mortgage, the car note, or the light bill, or the heat, or whatever. Sooner or later, you got to get off your behind and get into action if you want things you want in life. And one of the, but here's the thing: if you don't shift your mood while you're doing it, 
you're going to make that position and experience more cumbersome because you're not attracting the fulfillment that goes along with it. So I'm looking at the clock and it's time for the first break. So uh, let's take our first break and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. Have you asked your soul what it wants? Or are you so busy meeting the needs of everyone else? Family, friends, children, bosses, that you haven't checked in with the part of you that matters most? Janet Connor asked this question and received an answer. Your soul wants five things. That's it. Five things. Your soul wants to connect with source, commit to values, serve a purpose, express itself creatively, and last, it longs to create a beautiful, abundant life. Janet Connor teaches five wisdom habits that meet those needs. You can take each course separately or register for the complete Your Soul Wants Five Things series and receive $1,000 in bonuses for free. Visit JanetConnor.com and explore all five courses in her signature series, Your Soul Wants Five Things. Your soul will thank you. for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Right, welcome back to Truth Transforms. Let me say before I get back to the show that uh, this show, along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations, so that you freely give, freely receive. And uh, also, uh, please go on to the Facebook page and like it and Give a five-star rating. That's my request. Uh, True Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. And also go to iTunes and Stitcher. If you, if you have an Android phone or tablet and you listen on Stitcher or, or computer and you listen on Stitcher, please give it on iTunes or Stitcher a five-star rating. It helps the algorithm to promote the show, whatever, however that needs to do it, because I believe that this show, along with the other shows on Union Online Radio, are helping the reach of new thought, helping us get this message out to the world, this practical message that says God in you is the power that can transform your life when you can re- change and renew your mind. So let's make sure that we get this out. Um, you know, and I've been noticing I've been getting like letters from people, etc. And so people who don't write mail. So if for those who still like to do those type of things, you can um, write to me, Reverend Galen McDowell, care of Christ Universal Temple, 11901 South Ashland, A-S-H-L-A-N-D Avenue, Chicago, Illinois, 60643, uh, which, of course, if you just go to Christ Universal Temple or Google Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, you should see it. The website, www.cutemple.org, www.cutemple.org. So we're going to get back to the show now. If anybody wants to call in, you can call in at 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. So I wanted to supplement this show with some things that I, some thoughts that I, or quotes that I think can help. Uh, this is from uh, Johnny Coleman, 
her booklet, uh, Messages from the Founder's Desk. Messages from the Founder's Desk. I believe you can buy this at the ufbl.org website. It's like $5 or so. Um, she wrote on page 16, talking about imagination. It is the faculty designed to give form and shape to thought, the faculty that is forever focusing images on the screen of the mind. Everything is first an idea in the mind that is given form and shape by the imaging faculty. Nothing is brought into visible manifestation without the imagination, whether good or not good. Now, that's a key point. Nothing is brought forth into visible manifestation without the imagination, whether good or not good. So the imaginations of people can produce the heights that we know humanity can produce, and it can produce the lows, the absolute lows, the things that are happening around the world today that are rightfully considered despicable or inhumane started in the imagination of a person or people. And they acted on those images. They believed those images and then they acted in alignment with them. So we have to make sure that we're promoting the images of health, happiness uh, and prosperity in our everyday lives. And then as we manifest it, we can also help others. One of the things that we need to be really mindful of is how we are demonstrating truth because uh, as uh, an old friend of CUT, uh, Reverend Michael Kelly used to say, I got to find Michael Kelly. I don't even know where he's at right now. But anyway, side speaking out loud, Reverend Michael Kelly used to say, how can I say to the lost, follow me as I follow God and I don't have anything. You can't go to people talking about the blessings of God and then your life is absolutely raggedy because who want who wants you who wants your raggedy God when your life is out of, out of alignment? And I'm not saying that your life has to be perfect to be a witness. I'm not saying that by no stretch of the imagination. But but you should have some things in order. Some people should be able to see you progressing. People should see character transformation. But again, as he said, how can I say it to the lost? And lost don't mean lost from God. He's talking about lost in, a, in their awareness of spirit. How can I say to the lost, follow me as I follow God and I don't have anything means that we have to be very present, that our spirituality is to be lived, not just believed. Let me repeat that. Our spirituality is to be lived not just believed it's easy to uh pray or you know or state your heal your healing prayers or Jesus said this or Muhammad said that or Buddha said this or the Dalai Lama said that or Ernest Holmes said this and I live it at least to the best of your understanding at the time you know at times um uh, people at times in my opinion are people who attend church or they read uh, spiritual things but they don't wrestle with the ideas to the point to where where the character transformation happens and and some people really don't want to change you know uh, as Reverend Ike used to say most, a lot of people, and I ain't gonna say most, a lot of people join church because they're hell scared. They, they've grown up in this concept of a judgmental, vengeful God, and therefore they believe that if they uh, get right with God, they're good. And then they leave it to Jesus to do all the work. Instead of saying that the hell that I'm seeking to escape is my own experience. And the heaven that I'm trying to achieve is my new uh, enlightened spiritual awareness in God. When I realize that I'm one with God, when I realize that I'm the individualized expression of the one presence and one power we call God, when I'm living in alignment with those, with the truth of my being, 
I am in heaven because I'm in the ideal. So the only way you can get out of hell and into heaven is to, is by changing the images that you have in your mind. You know, uh, that's why we have to be very mindful about how we do things mentally. All right. So moving on. Reverend Coleman said a couple of other things that I think is pretty cool. She wrote, the imagination can can imagine the so-called bad as well as the good and bring forth either good or evil results, much to the dismay and disappointment of millions of persons. God meant for this faculty to be used only for good. However, in his freedom to choose, man has erroneously chosen to satisfy only the physical and is suffering the consequences of the improper use of the imagination. So in other words, when we just decide that only thing we're going to do is, you know, live at at the level of physical sensation, which is nothing's wrong with, with it, but everything has its place in order. We should never be doing anything with our body. And I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about how we eat, how we rest, what, what we do with our body, what we put in our body. I'm talking about anything that has to do with the five senses. We, we get satisfied with the, with the clothing, sexing, eating, drinking, mood altering, uh, products like alcohol and drugs and things of that nature so much that we forget about our spiritual growth and development and character transformation. So what I am saying is, uh, whatever you do in the outer should be enlightened by your spirit, your spirituality. It should be enlightened. So you shouldn't be doing something just because everybody else is doing it. Because just because it feels good to you doesn't mean it's right for you. Because the feeling good to you might be based upon an erroneous belief that you have on yourself. Some people do things that harm themselves for a temporary uh, uh, high of not having to deal with the pain or their sense of of separation from whatever good they think they have. So they so, you know, you know, as somebody I heard once somebody once say when the person leaves the bar, the problem is still waiting to meet them when they get home. So you go to the bar to drink and not think about the problem. Then you get home, the problem's still there. And now you got to deal with the problem of potentially doing that. So many times you have an addiction and you, now you still got the same issues you have to address mood. We have to learn how to deal with our moods without having to do something in the outer to address something that's happening in the inner. If you got to go shopping to get to get the shopping high to change your mood, okay, get that. But you got to realize you got to be able to have control over your mind. Whether you, whether you know, because if not, you can go buy and spend, and you don't have the money, so you you got new gear, but your car note's not paid. People do this type of stuff all the time. Sad, so I'm gonna go buy me some new boots, and then they're sneaking the boots in through the garage so that so that significant other can't see it. Ridiculous stuff. So what I'm saying is, if you're not careful, your mood can make you very unconscious. Very unconscious. I'm trying to make this show today extra practical because I don't want you to miss it. All right. So Reverend Coleman gives a couple other examples in this booklet. Um, She wrote, whatever it is that you want to become may be accomplished through the imaging power of the imagination see yourself enjoying life as a perfect child of god and you will attain that goal holy mental picture in your mind of success and prosperity and those blessings will become manifest in your affairs you might make a treasure map on what on which you paste pictures of all that you want to do then daily affirm the truth about you and your relationship to god as follows i and the father are one i am his perfect prosperous child Then she says, it is far better to image yourself as whole, well, and strong with plenty of money to pay all of your bills and to have some to share with others than to imagine yourself negatively. It takes no more effort to image or picture the good for yourself and the results are much more satisfying. 
Now, so she's giving really practical examples of how you work it. So when Neville says on page 73, men regard their moves far too much as effects and not sufficiently as causes, she's saying the same thing. You got to shift the images in your mind because the moods that you have are being created by the imaginal activities that are happening in your consciousness. Then he goes on to say, back to Neville, now page 73, the first chapter, uh, first page of the chapter moods in chapter seven of the law and the promise. He wrote, we say that we are happy because we have achieved our goal. We do not realize that the process works equally well in the reverse direction, that we shall achieve our goal because we have assumed the happy feeling of the wish fulfilled. So he says, if you feel happy because a thing happened, then maybe you should be able to feel happy before the thing happen so you can cause the thing to happen. That's what he's basically saying. That's what he's basically saying. So he reiterates or reinforces it by saying moves are not only the result of the conditions of our life, they are also the causes of those conditions. So what does that mean? That means that we can allow effects to create or generate moves. Now, what does that mean? What that means is there are times when stuff happens and it shifts your mood. That happens to everybody. But realize that the reason why your mood can be shifted around particular experiences is because of the meaning that you give it. Now, I'm not saying that that's a free get out of jail card for people to act ignorant, say things to you that they shouldn't say, do things that they shouldn't do. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is, though, you need to be mindful that if somebody said something to you and you didn't understand what it meant, it wouldn't matter. If a person came up to you and they start using profane language toward you and they were speaking Mandarin and you didn't understand Mandarin, you would just smile and keep walking because you didn't understand it. And it has no meaning to you. The reason why experiences shift us so dramatically is because uh, the meaning that we give it. So if somebody says, you know, uh, you know, I, you know, that they've been diagnosed with a particular illness, like what we, you know, world calls cancer or whatever. Oh my God. You know, so people image the moment they hear that word person deteriorating and dying painfully. Therefore that image is in their head. Now, here's one of the challenges. This is one of the reasons why when people are working with a healing, you got to be really careful about who you have conversations with about your healing. And notice I didn't say about your disease or your dis-ease. I said about your healing. It's because every time you start talking more and more to people about what's going on in your body, what's going on with the, the illness, the sickness or whatever, the more conversations you have about it, the more you're reinforcing it in your own subconscious mind and you have their mood and their images that they're impressing upon you because you can pick up the mood or the tone of the people around you. So when I go to the hospitals, many times I tell people to say, look, the people that are, that need to know what's going on, you tell them, you know, if, if, if the people that are responsible, your spouse, your, you know, your children, your parent, your whatever. There are people who are supposed to know what's going on. They need to know the facts. Obviously, your doctor needs to understand the facts. I said, but everybody else that comes to you asking about it, just tell them I'm working on my healing. You're in the hospital. What's going on? What did the doctor say? You know what? You know, I'm just, you know, I, I've just been, you know, just going through this. I, I just right now I'm just working on my healing. I said, don't be rude. Don't be disrespectful. But they'll get the point because, you know, explaining something over and over again to people who can't help you or support you while you're going through it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense. You know, you want to have people who can see beyond what you're working with. So if you're talking to the minister to the practitioner to the doctor uh, or or the people who are supporting your medical experience and they can they they can help you in your process sometimes 
it's a situation where where it's a complete shutdown depending on the situation and circumstance. But generally, I tell people just to say, I'm working on my healing. And those who need to know, know. And those who don't need to know, it's not their business. Why? Because I don't want to keep talking about my sickness. I want to talk about my health. I want to talk about what's working right in my body. I want to talk about faith in action. I want to talk about my own imaginal activities as health, as peace, as prosperity. And if the person who needs to know about the money breakdowns is you and your accountant or whoever's helping you with your money or your significant other spouse or whatever, whoever's responsible with money with you, not everybody else. I'm saying that because we have to be really careful about the images that we have in our minds. So I'm looking at the clock. It's time for our second break. So I'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Did you know that the Buddha gave us the formula to create a beautiful, abundant life? Did you know that Jesus gave us the formula to create a beautiful, abundant life? Did you know that both these masters taught exactly the same thing? And guess what? They did not teach the law of attraction. They taught the great paradox of prosperity. You can have anything you want. Why, you can have things you don't even know you want, but not by wanting them. Instead, put your attention on the vibrant presence of the divine within. Do that and your life will change. It has to. That is the natural order. Want to crack the code on the great paradox? Get Janet Connors' The Lotus and the Lily. Available everywhere great books are sold. Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on A Course in Miracles with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free every Friday at 2 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. Okay, back to Truth Transforms. Again, we're teaching moods out of the law and the promise, and I'm trying to use some supplemental work to help us with the process. And this is from Reverend Ike's Secret of Health, Happiness, and Prosperity for You. It's otherwise known as the Science of Living Study Guide by Frederick Eichenren Coulter, better known as Reverend Ike. So he says on page 20 of the book, under the chapter Define and Declare, he wrote, uh, I cannot repeat too often the fact that you have to be specific. Now he's talking about defining and declaring, but I'm using this in the context of moods, that you can generate mood. You can generate the state you want to be in. You don't have to wait to feel happy. Do create, Start creating the state of happiness. Move your body. Start to go do stuff, etc. Create the mood of happy. You know, you know, go laugh. Go do something that helps you with that process until you get a better handle on it and it's easier for you to shift on your own. So he says, I cannot repeat too often the fact that you have to be specific. You have to be definite with the infinite. The infinite can only become definite when you become definite. You have to define and declare the good you want before you get it. By the the infinite, we mean the unlimited God. By means of man, unlimited God can be be, do, and have 
anything, but it is a person's responsibility to choose and define exactly what the infinite will be doing half through him. Ah, so God's not choosing it for you. So he gives an example of how sometimes people go uh, uh, awry. He says some, some religious people pray this way. Now, Lord, you just take me wherever you want me to go. And then they have the nerve to wonder whether they're not getting anywhere in life. If you pray like that, you're just like somebody standing in an elevator who doesn't push the button and you wonder how you got down in the basement. You have to decide where you want to go and push the right button. If you don't push your own buttons in life, the world will push the buttons for you. You have to define in your own consciousness where you want to go in life. Don't let the world mind choose for you and push you around. Don't let other people choose for you. Now, again, this is something that we can't emphasize enough because this is also a part of generating moves. When you understand that you're responsible for defining and declaring what you desire, then you're not in the passive mood of thinking or waiting for God to do it all for you and then expecting it to work out. We treat God sort of like uh, we do in relationships when people say, well, if you really love me, you know what I want. No, I'm not psychic. That doesn't make sense. Tell me what you want and then let's see what we can do. That has to be the conversation that we have with spirit. Now, I'm not telling you that spirit that God is wisdom won't say do this, do that, handle this, handle that, whatever. And sometimes with great specific detail. But that's normally because you're working with your spirituality to a point to where this is what you're seeking. And it's the answer to what you are seeking. Get that. It is the answer to what you are seeking. So you define and declare that you want divine wisdom and guidance and then it shows up. Hmm. So I goes on to say. There's one thing that the infinite will not do for the individual. This is very important for you to remember. And let me tell you, you'll never hear it in the average church. The infinite will not choose for the individual. God is not going to choose for you. The almighty is not going to choose for you. It is up for you. It is, it is you who must choose. It is you who must define what you are going to be to do and to have in life. You cannot ask the infinite to choose for you whether you are going to have a Cadillac or Oldsmobile, as I've said before, and I thought it was very effective. The infinite is not going to say go and buy an Oldsmobile. The infinite is not going to say go and buy a house in Beverly Hills. The infinite has given you the ability to choose what you want to be, what you want to do, and what you want to have. The infinite God says to man, choose you this day. Then he quotes, he says, the infinite God, that's Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Then he says, the infinite God also says to man, command you me, Isaiah 45, 11. Then he makes a very powerful statement, a very powerful statement that can really radically shift your mood if you work with the concept. He wrote, God serves man when man serves God with definite requests. God serves man. When man serves God with definite requests. So in other words, when you realize the power that you're working with, then the power of God, not God as almighty creator, but God as divine law. God as divine law works best when you are definite and declaring through consciousness, through your thoughts and feelings, through your words and your actions, what it is that you say you desire, what you want. All right. So then he gives an affirmation that I think can help. We're always looking for stuff that can shift moods. One of the reasons why affirmations are good is because they help shift moods. They help shift you around, shift your feelings. That's why people say, teachers will say, like myself, pray this with feeling. Affirm this with feeling. Just don't like, I am one with God. I am one with all people. I am one with all life. I am one with the one. That That's the opening statement at C-U-T. Instead of, I am one with God. I am one with all people. I am one with all life. I am one with the one. It, 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 has, to, it has to land in your soul. 
So Reverend Ike's treatment is I am defining and declaring God in me as my answer right now. I am defining and declaring God in me as my all, as my completeness. I am defining and declaring God in me as my health and happiness. I am defining and declaring God in me as love. The love of God in my heart brings me together with all of the right people for every right purpose. I am defining and declaring God in me as my success and prosperity. My life is running over with success, prosperity, and an abundance of money to enjoy and share. Thank you, God in me. Now, you say that enough with some feeling, it's going to shift your mood. It's going to shift your prevailing emotional tone or general attitude. It's going to shift your state or quality of feeling at a particular time. It's going to shift your distinctive emotional quality or character. You'll create a shift. So when the people say, oh, affirmations don't work, affirmations are magic. This isn't the Doctor Strange movie where you say some words and you you start moving your hands around and you start pulling stuff out the ethers. The affirmation is to shift your consciousness because consciousness produces form, but it'll show up in a way that you can understand and comprehend. If we, if if, if you had the consciousness to pro, to produce money on the spot, guess what? It would produce itself on the spot, one way or another. Five fish, five fish, and uh, two fish and five loaves. Demonstration on the spot. Manna in heaven, manna from heaven, and the quails that came down to the children of Israel. Demonstration on the spot. You say, well, what if those stories are literal or not literal? The literalness isn't the point of the story. The point of the story is that your that when you are in the right awareness of God, that your supply will show up to you in a way that you can understand, comprehend, and utilize. And it will continually be in that flow as long as you're in that consciousness. One way or another. So, if you want to shift your mood, become very intentional about it. How do you shift? Why do you shift? Et cetera, et cetera. Over and over and over and over again. Over and over and over again. Don't allow the moves of procrastination, fear, and doubt to rob you of the good that you could you can have right now. And let me just tell you, your seriousness will show up in your actions. People tell me all the time about the things they want to do. And then when I question them about it, they aren't doing anything. I have a lot of people that come to me for reading requests. What should I read? Oh, I tell them, read this, read that, do this, that, and other. Hey, you read that book yet? Oh, I'm getting to it. Oh, a month later. Oh, I'm still reading it. Well, you're not hungry enough. You don't want it bad enough. You're just talking. Because if you wanted it bad enough, not only you would have finished the book, you would have had your questions or you would have had your points that you got out of the book and you would have been waiting for the next reference and you would have been putting into action the stuff you learned in the book. You got to be hungry. And hunger is a mood. Hunger, Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. That's a state. People who got to know. They have to understand. They have to comprehend. I, I used to read three to five books every week. I did that for years. Well over a decade. And people would ask me why. Because I had to have it. I needed to know. It was a, I was hungering and thirsting for it. That and I'm not I'm not reading three to five books a week, but I can probably read ten books at the same time 
why and maintain my thoughts around them because it matters to me that much. Not just for me, but to everybody, God gives me the grace to stand before to teach. I want to know what I'm talking about because your mind and your soul growth many times is dependent on people like me to help you along the way. So with that, we're going to end there next week. We're going to cover the chapter uh, in the book called through the looking glass and um, it's going to continue to be good. So let's continue to work with the Neville book, get the on the promise by Neville and let's continue to rock and roll and make this stuff happen. So with that, God bless you. And I'll be with you next week with truth transforms. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. of spiritually conscious living start now for a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential tune in to the yoga hour living the eternal way with yogacharya ellen grace o'brien every thursday morning at 10 a.m central 8 a.m pacific only on unity online radio the voice of an awakening world Each of us has a unique purpose, a special gift to offer the world. Despite the differences in our talents and abilities, there is one gift that we all can share, the gift of peace. Peace isn't something that takes a particular talent. It's an ability we all possess. All we have to do is tap into it. Peace doesn't require a certain set of circumstances either, but rather a state of willingness. When I do whatever is mine to do from that place of peace within... I contribute to the peace of the world. James Dillett Freeman said, I give the gifts that are mine to give, as naturally as a tree gives shade or a bird song. It is my nature to give. I give peace. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. is formless yet takes many forms what goes around comes around chant the name of the lord and be free no one comes to the father except through me ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions join reverend paul john roach every tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions using discussions interviews humor insight and practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach. Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Sound 
Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries, sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify. 